You're listening to Pod Wars with Gary and Justice. Hey guys, this is Gary, and welcome to another episode of Pod Wars. On Pod Wars, we like to dissect Star Wars, Marvel, and our favorite little nuggets of geeky media. I'm here today with my good friend, Justice. What's up, guys? And we are excited to present the interview with Jennifer Badger today. So for those who are unaware, can Justice, can you kind of break down some of the stuff Jennifer's been a part of? Yeah, she, so she's been some uh, in some pretty geeky media. She's been, you know, part of Watchmen, Walking Dead, but also some really awesome Marvel stuff, including Winter Soldier, Ant-Man, Iron Man 3, Infinity War, Endgame, and she's kind of been a part of some upcoming projects like Black Widow, WandaVision, and The Falcon and Winter Soldier. So there's just some really cool Marvel things that she's been a part of. Yeah, she is a stunt performer and coordinator who has been a part of many different Marvel projects, including three different Marvel heroines, which is really cool. And it's going to be a part of the upcoming Wonder Woman 1984, Black Widow, WandaVision, like Justice mentioned, Falcon Winter Soldier. So we're really excited to have her on the show to share her experience with these projects. But before we dive into that, let's go into some Twitter tidbits. Live from the Pod Nation, we bring you Twitter Tidbits. All right, so this week we had our weekly poll. I know we missed it last week, but this week it was, which DC movie are you most excited for? So there was four options. We had The Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, and Suicide Squad. So obviously The Batman won this week. Uh, with uh, 70% of the vote. And then coming in second was Wonder Woman, and then The Flash and Suicide Squad tied for 5%. I obviously thought that Batman was going to win because that trailer was so good. Oh, it was incredible. But we also had a little post earlier. DC fandom has revived my ever-dormant love of DC, and I asked all the pod nation to share some of their favorite DC comics I can look into. So I'd like to give a thank you out to a few people. First off, Force Losers podcast mentioning White Knight. Great comic. I read it years ago, and I'm like, ooh, I really want to get on that again. And at Chinsey Beatnik for saying the Tom King Batman run for 2016 was excellent. And the Harley Quinn stories by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor were pure fun. We also got some Harley Quinn and Batman love from at M. Potkanek and kind of mentioning how everyone has their own taste, but the Harley Quinn main series and various miniseries by Connor and Palmiotti, Suicide Squad 2011, Batman run by Jay Tynion and Criminal Sandy by Kay Garcia, White Knight, give us a lot of great suggestions that I'm definitely interested in. Some I was aware of, some I wasn't, so I'm kind of interested to check them out. And of course, Court of Owls was mentioned by the Certain Point of View podcast, which is one of my favorite Batman series. And yes, that deserves all the love, especially after DC fandom. And then we just want to thank Marshall Julius, John Walker, and Chris Campbell for some of the follows this week. Uh, and yeah, so get excited. We're about to jump into this really awesome podcast. 
So guys, we are really excited to have Jennifer Badger on the podcast today. And if you guys haven't heard anything about Jennifer yet from listening to our previous episode, she's done, like a lot of our other guests, an insane amount of work throughout Hollywood. We got TV series like Watchmen, The Walking Dead, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, movies like Transformers, and of course, little known indie films like Avengers Endgame and Avengers Affinity War. But thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on the show. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So we usually like to start out with one little question because we are more of a Star Wars and Marvel podcast. And since you're kind of more involved in Marvel and we'd like to know what is your favorite Marvel movie? For watching or for work? Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, you know what? I'm I am a huge Marvel fan. Um, I've become a huge Marvel fan over the process of the phases that we've been through. So while I'm grateful for the ones I've worked on, and I think I'm six in now, um, as a as a performer, it's just exciting to be part of something that you're passionate about. Also, my husband and my son, uh, who just uh, turned eighteen, is, are big fans and comic book fans. So. Um, Part of how I gauge what I like is what they get excited about, too. And obviously, Endgame was like the end-all, be-all. Um, for myself, working on all of them has been great. But Iron Man 3 really stood out. Uh, a friend of mine from when I first got in the business was uh, the rigger on that, Jim Churchman. So I got to be part of the rig with the parachuters as uh, Iron Man saving the people that flew out of the plane. Um, that was a huge rig in Wilmington that was just astronomical in size and very, very impressive. So it was a, a great uh, scene to be part of. That's really cool. That's so great. Yeah, I mean, we've heard from a lot of other guests too, of just that extra appreciation of having your kids see something you do and be like, dang, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, on a fun note, the, uh, the Winter Soldier was fun. My son and husband came up to Cleveland while we were shooting there. And uh, my son, that was, I believe, his 11th birthday. And they walked down the street near where we were filming. And later that night when I got home, my son was like, I saw you talking to Nick Fury. And of course, I was talking to Henry Kenji, who was stunt doubling him with the whole ball cap and everything on. But I figured I could get away with a little bit of a fib because it's the character. So I was like, yes, I was. And <laughs> the, the cool points for mom went far on that one. Yeah, you could be like, he was definitely drafting me to join the Avengers and get all the mom yeah. points. Yeah, but I told him that you were more important, which my son is. So, you know, I didn't have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> wait till he got out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> but before we jump into, I mean, there's a ton we want to talk about with your Marvel track record. But can you kind of tell us a little bit of what led you into the industry, into stunts, and kind of your process with that? I'm sure. I um, I give all credit to God and then my parents for being supportive. Um, I didn't have family in the industry, and... Um, nepotism is a, a, a thing that it exists in the stunt industry as well as the entertainment industry and elsewhere. Um, so I started as an actress when I was about 13, uh, living in Florida and uh, started working on Nickelodeon shows, um, comedies, sometimes doing extra work and then sometimes doing principal work. Um, also did a lot of work for PBS early on. And uh, I'd been athletic. I was a swimmer and diver and gymnast when I was young. Uh, I don't do pretty gymnastics anymore. It's all fighting gymnastics now. But um, 
there was an audition for a stunt show when I was 16 and um, I went to the audition and the company booked me on the spot and then found out how old I was and kind of freaked out and my mom uh, came in and said no she's got to work permit and was supporter uh, so that was my first stunt related job which was the Batman stunt show here in Atlanta at Six Flags uh, so we came up here the first summer and um, I got to meet a lot of stunt people started training learn more about the industry and then when I was 17 I worked really really hard at school um, was a bit of a nerd uh, but I got to graduate early, and I moved up to Atlanta by myself at 17 uh, to do the Batman show again. And then also I uh, got my first call for stunts in a film, which was stunt doubling for Angelina Jolie on a film called Hackers in New York. Because they wanted someone who rode motorcycles, which I did, and who rollerbladed. Um, so that was a, a really great start for me into film work, transitioning from live shows uh, at a really young age. Um, and then pretty soon after that, I moved to L.A., I just packed up my truck, didn't really know many people there, but um, went out. And uh, that was around the time of Buffy the Vampire Slayer starting up. There were uh, incredible stunt women in L.A., but I f always felt like it was a time when the actresses were coming down to size zero. And the stunt women, who were very thin, were really buff and uh, in really good athletic shape. And there was a desire on several shows for girls that were toned but not bulky in the shoulders and arms and such. And I think that actually opened a lot of doors for me, um, giving me opportunities to double some of the actresses I did. So, you know, kind of speaking on that, uh, we asked our Twitter followers if they had any questions. And Cam Ray had asked, since race and gender inclusion is such a hot topic right now, what has your experience been as a female stunt double? And what are the pros and cons of being a female in the field? As a stunt performer, I've been I've been relatively blessed as far as um, I have experienced some sexual harassment, but in a 27-year career, it's been uh, pretty few and far between and things that could be handled mostly quietly. I mentioned earlier with you guys, I came into the industry under a very eyes open, mouth shut, you know, do what you're told, smile, and uh, that was kind of the way I was raised in the business. So, I, you know, there was there were things that I saw and experienced, but I feel like I had a pretty good uh, group of people that I worked for that were respectful and great. That was the era of paint downs as well. Luckily, uh, that really has come into light where in the past they would have a white person double an African-American or a Latina or Asian person and do paint downs on them. And there's such a wealth of talented people of color, performers of color now and back then that weren't getting utilized enough that we've seen great strides forward in equality for that. Uh, what I was not prepared for really uh, was when I entered the realm of stunt coordinating, which is the department head, the person that designs the action and hires the people for the job. Uh, when I transitioned, I started doing it in 2004 when I was about 15 years in the industry almost. So I wasn't green, but I was uh, here in the Southeast and uh, there was um, some serious pushback from a few of the men here. It was a small percentile, but um, I got threatened. I got physically assaulted and um, injured because I needed to know my place. And it was um, a really eye-opening experience. Um, having said that, in the past five years especially, it has gotten so much better. And um, I just, I think that so many doors have been opened and people's consciousness have um, really um, broadened 
Uh, for instance, uh, Endgame, Marvel Endgame was coordinated by Monique Anderton, who is obviously a, a prominent female coordinator in the United States. Um, Rise of Skywalker was also stone coordinated by a woman, which is amazing. So we're seeing more opportunities for women in what was, um, as director Rod Lurie put it, I loved it, stone coordinating was the most, he said, male-dominated position in the industry. And we're seeing more doors open, especially in the United States, uh, whereas Canada and the UK had already been very open to women in that department. So I think it's uh, great improvements <clears throat> excuse me, being made. How was it transitioning from that, both professionally and personally with the extra difficulties, how was it transitioning from the performer to coordinator role? Um, I, I think that I did it the proper way <clears throat> in that I had been in the industry a long time, uh, asked questions, but also, again, with eyes open, mouth shut policy, you're watching and you're listening and learning. Um, I have several mentors that I was able to call and ask for help or you know, just shoot ideas off of because I really enjoy the creative end and I'm super type A organized. So I think that's a good aspect of it as well. Some people try and jump right into coordinating without the experience to understand what you're asking of the performer. So I think it's important to already be invested in it. Um, I still love performing too. So that's maybe sometimes the hardship is you get put into one spot or the other. And you know, why did we get into it if not for a love of performing, right? So um, I try and do, I, I probably do 70 or 80% stunt coordination and then another 20, 30% of performing still. Yeah, and I mean, you're, the stunts you performed, we were saying even beforehand, were it, it's just cool. You guys have to check out her reel. We'll try to post something a little bit on Twitter so everyone can see some of the stunts that Jennifer performed. But you do kind of multiple types of stunt work between the driving, the fight scenes, and then the more water specialist. How do those different types of fight scenes work for the performer, for the coordinator? Um, you know, things are still evolving all the time. For instance, the way Marvel... Um, and uh, the show Banshee, too, some of the fight teams really focus on going in every day and training, 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 which is ideal. It's just a lot of times productions don't allow the prep or the time to uh, really put into that. So you're responsible for training more on your own end and being able to adapt to the choreography in the moment and on the day, or at least during prep and previs. Uh, so for me, people used to ask all the time, well, what type of fighting do you do? Well, I mean, I had taken for years taekwondo. Um, just because that was all that was offered near where I lived, too. But for Buffy, for Charlie's Angels, for the show Angel, for Banshee, for any different show we go on, um, there's different skills are, that are required. And a lot of times, even on films, they don't want to stick to one form of martial art or one form of fighting. They want to put their thumbprint on it and change the style effect. So we kind of just need to be able to adapt. For that reason, even with weapons, I always laugh. I'm like, I, I kick butt on film. Uh, I would probably have my butt handed to me in a real fight with a lot of these styles because it's very much Hollywood, you know, faking it versus the foundation and muscle memory you would have of actually training properly in any one of these arts. So you kind of have to learn how to be like a black belt in Taekwondo and then in Hollywood Taekwondo. Yes. Uh, I love, for instance, I love, love uh, capoeira. I love watching it. I love the people that can do it. Um, if I had the time and the ability where I live to be able to train in it, I would. But there is no, I mean, it'd be an hour drive for me to get anywhere that might uh, actually be doing lessons. So um, I really admire the people that have put in the time and foundation and these skills. But in Hollywood, 
it's almost detrimental because if you train for years and have a really strong foundation in one form and you have to adapt very quickly to something that's a very different style, it's a hard adaptation on the moment, you know? Uh, it's kind of like gymnasts that come into stunts. Uh, it's gotten better, but years ago, they were always made fun of for pointing their toes and having, you know, pretty hands in the air when they're supposed to be being blown up and away from something. Um, <laughs> so you have to be able to adapt. So I have a question. If there was a job posting for a driver or like a fighting or like a water specialist, like what, which one would you choose of those three? Like that, like, like that, would, that would be your go-to. Boy, that's a hard one. <laughs> Because um, I really do enjoy all of them, but I did, you know, I started as a water person. My dad was a surfer. He had me out surfing from the time I was little. Um, I could just be standing up on the board with him hanging off the back. Um, and after competing and swimming and diving, one of my first opportunities in the industry, which is which is why I just give God credit for opening so many doors, was um, doing a show for PBS. I was scuba certified at 16 and they wanted someone to go be part of Jean-Michel Cousteau's team off the Yucatan Peninsula and be a young voice as a hostess for bringing in younger audiences too. So, I mean, what person has that experience at that age, right? Which mm -hmm. that led to me doing multiple international jobs in tanks and open water with all sorts of marine life. Um, and I think more than anything, that's probably my first love. So if I had to pick, I wouldn't want to pick, but if I had to, that would be it. But uh, there's, you know, stunt driving has been really good to me. Um, I got to go to Israel earlier this year before COVID and do stunt driving there. And it's, um, it's opened a lot of doors. There are fewer women um, that do more hardcore driving. So that's something that I intend to continue as well. And, uh, and fighting is just fun. <laughs> fighting, you just look cool. I mean, who wouldn't like that? Yeah, right. Right. Having said that, I mean, I mentioned to you guys, I did seven hours of previews yesterday, getting my butt handed to me and killed in multiple ways and screaming constantly. So I woke up and took my ibuprofen this morning and uh, here I am. <laughs> well, off of that kind of note, like what are some of the physical challenges of the profession? Like you always get the classic question of what's like the main injuries that you deal with. Do you have a worse injury that you've suffered through? Yeah. Um, it's funny because Every, you know, anytime we're on set, everybody wants to be a stunt person. We kind of joke because it is the cool job on set a lot of times. And we do get to, as people would look from afar, get to have all the fun. I'm not complaining. We do. But a lot of times people that are in other departments or that are there as background will come up and they'll ask about how to get into it. And I always want to encourage them because people encourage me. But often one of the first things I'll say, especially to the women, is are you okay having your nose broken? or having your teeth knocked out or, or getting your face scarred up like mine's been split open and and scarred up and um and usually their face is like oh um so that if it weren't inherent danger there wouldn't be a stunt um so a lot of times people see stuff that looks easy and and it it may be even an easy stunt but an easy stunt still means okay this the easy stunts falling down but you have to fall down while wearing heels on this really slippery surface don't kick the camera that's down there don't let an arm that flails hit the lead actor that's standing next to you. You know, all of these things end up creating a harder situation than what people realize. Um, for me, one of my first injuries was at that Batman stunt show when I was 16. Uh, I hit a guy with a, a shovel in the head and he falls off a motorcycle. He was 
supposed to go down a certain way, and he did 99% of the time. But this one day, he went off wrong, the bike fell the wrong way, and the clutch bar went through my foot and into the ground. Oh, and I didn't, whoa. yeah, I was 16. <laughs> I didn't know what <laughs> happened. I just knew, wow, that hurts, but we have a show to do and a couple thousand people watching us. So I yelled him, get it off me. Cause I couldn't, I was trying to rip my foot out from under it. I didn't realize that it had gone through. Um, so he yanked the motorcycle out of my foot and, uh, and I continued to run through the scene. And as I was running and I had to quick change backstage between two scenes, we looked down and there was pools of blood and like spurting, uh, up. So they cut the show and took me to the hospital. Um, and that's kind of the, the sense of it stunts. That's the inherent danger that could go wrong and why you don't put an actor in that situation. Um, a few of the injuries I've had, uh, my, my inner instinct told me something was wrong. And uh, I did it anyway because I was young and eyes open, mouth shut. And I was a woman, smile and do your job. And, um, and when I got hurt on those circumstances, I take full responsibility for it because I knew it was wrong and just felt like I wasn't in a place where I could speak up. Or on one or two occasions, I did speak up and I got reamed for it. And then I did what I was told, then I got hurt. Um, so things happen. Um, I think for all of us, head injuries are the primary concern. You don't, you don't want traumatic brain injury. I've had a a lot. I mean, we all get bruises all the time, broken both my feet, dislocated shoulder, broken clavicle, uh, four concussions, which is concerning for down the road now that more studies have been found about that, um, and uh, a neck injury, which has not caused any lasting harm, thank God, but, um, but during the recovery time, it was a real, it was a real pain in the butt, <laughs> or pain in the neck, I guess. <laughs> but if you're, if you're working in stunts for any long period of time, doing heavy stunts, it's almost, I mean, it's almost a numbers game. Like at some point, something's going to happen. I feel like part of why I'm in the place that I'm in and on the shows I'm, as I'm on, especially when I'm stunt coordinating, is because of the experiences that I've had. And my desire is to their family at night, period. Stunts, crew, cast, everybody. Um, and I think a lot of what I've experienced on the negative side of that has helped make me a better uh, coordinator perf um, boss to the performers to protect them. Um, no one's going to be perfect or be able to see everything, but um, but it is uh, constantly on my mind that I don't want other people to experience some of the things I did. Which probably gives you a, them a little bit more ease and respect having you coordinate, knowing that they're being coordinated by someone who had a literal hole in her foot <laughs> and finished the scene. Yeah, I am. I really, I've had a bunch of members come in uh, that have worked for me and say that, especially on wire work, they feel extra safe. And there, there's a reason for that. Uh, a lot of my jobs in wire work, if you watch my reels, you see me being yanked and flown all over the place. Um, ratchets um, are very, very violent wire pulls. And we've developed over the years safer ways of doing them. But there was a um, insurance company in Canada that did a study on stunts and liability and injuries. And they found that car hits and ratchets are the number one and two uh, of brain injuries for stunt people. And so I've done car hits multiple times. I did my last one in 2010 and promised my family that I would do no more up and overs, which is where the car hits you and you go flying up and over it to the ground no wires, just you're literally getting hit by a car. It's, it's like, you know, you land right, you don't, you know, it can be done safely X amount of times, but, but then that rest of the time it is a high level of risk. It was a coordinator 
I've said, I, I will never have a performer do that. There are so many creative ways in camera with the use of CGI, with the use of wires, with just there's so many different ways to do it that are repetitive and look so much more violent even than what we do um, when we're doing it just practically that, that I don't see a reason to risk a performer on that at all. So I'm, I'm wondering with your experience, like when we interviewed Chris, he talked about how when his injury that he talked about that there was this feeling that he got that was, you know, yeah. that, that they're like, he knew something was going wrong is with your experience. Do you also get that kind of that sense of feeling like, Oh, I know this isn't going to work out. And like, have you been able to now with everything going on uh, with your stunt coordinating, being able to realize like, that's not a good situation. Let's let's work on another way to make it that safer. Yeah. And uh, just to mention that's Chris Lepps here talking about awesome, awesome, awesome performer. Uh, and Pierre. Um, yeah, here's what I've learned about that because of my own personality. And again, being brought up into the business is very eyes open, mouth shut, do what you're told, which has gotten better over the years. Um, it was always really drilled into me that you continue and finish your job unless you're bleeding out or you passed out, period. Um, so a lot of people from, I feel old saying my generation, but from the past, it's, um, you don't complain. If you get injured, you don't say anything. You finish your day and then you, you take care of things on the side. Um, at the same time, growing up, I couldn't stand bullies. I'm so much better at standing up for other people than for myself. And that really came to light in 2014 and 15 uh, because there were one of your questions that you talked to me about was what what's the biggest professional failure you had? And to me... The biggest professional failure for me as a coordinator was also as a performer because I was doing a show with a, a really big car gag and it was a specific person. It was a woman. Um, I offered some options. They gave me the option to do it and I had a cover coordinator come in. So on that day when I'm performing, I have someone else there behind the camera and as extra eyes of safety, but it is, it does put them in a hard position because if they say no to something, they're usurping the, the series coordinator, you know? So it's kind of a weird, a weird situation, but um, the effects department really prepped some things wrong. And we had an idea of how wrong before we did the gag. It turned out it was way more wrong than uh, what we even knew, but I looked back on it and went, if anyone else had been performing that day, if I had hired anyone else to drive and it wasn't me, I would have shut it down. I mean, literally shut it down. We would not have gone for it. But because I was also the performer, I wasn't protecting the performer. I was thinking like a performer and going, a production's prep for this. It's going to, we don't go for it. It's going to waste their time. We're, you know, they're going to lose their day. Um, so as the performer, I went for it. And, um, Thankfully, I was safe. I ended up in a tree at 30 miles an hour. Um, that's not fun. Uh, the shot looked great for production. They were actually quite thrilled with how it turned out. But <laughs> thank God no one was hurt. The, the ramp blew apart. The welds on the ramp were wrong. And it literally folded, blew apart, and shot pieces and chunks of metal at my safety team. So camera was clear, crew was clear, but you have to have safety and fire extinguishers and all this for big car gags. And uh, it, it just, it was the best possible outcome for an accident in that no one got hurt, but, but it really showed me what the potential had been, not just for me to get hurt, which there was a lot, but also for them. So 
yeah, that was a that was a more recent example of not listening to my gut as a performer and thinking like a coordinator and uh, learn from that because it's never happened again and I'm not going to let it happen again. As for me as a performer, the first time I spoke up for myself was in 2014 on a show that the coordinator tried to do something really, really, really stupid. And I still was so polite about it and very calm about it. But, um, but I told him, I'm like, if this goes right, I'm probably going to have a broken tailbone again. If it goes wrong, that's the base of my skull. And um, I, my son needs a mother, <laughs> you know. Uh, so it's been a long process for me to learn. And I feel like the stunt people that have come into the business in more recent years are a lot more aware of protecting themselves and being heads up if they don't know or trust their coordinator. Um, and they understand too that it's not the small industry that it was 20 years ago where you would get blacklisted if you said no on the day because you didn't feel safe and you might never work again. Now you say no and you realize that your body and your health are your tools to stunt people so you have longevity because you stay healthy and you work for the people that you trust. That has changed a bit. So going off of this uh, whole uh, gut feeling, on one of the, your reels, you uh, you were burning in the Banshee TV series, uh, yes. and you had to do it twice. Were you like, so when the first time happened, like, can, can you just kind of share like what happened and why you had to do it a second time? Did you did you watch the behind the scenes piece and the actor saying he thought I was going to die? Is that why you're asking? Yeah, that was so funny. They put like they put sad music to it too when he says that. It just cracked me up. Um, honestly, that, that other than not being cavalier, that did not concern me at all because my, my boss, Marcus and the stunt team and the, the effects team were all people I trusted. Um, we had done a lot of prep for it, but in the scene, yeah, the actress uh, takes a, a, a can of gasoline and pours it all over herself and lights herself on fire. Um, so we, we had the fuel all over me and up to somewhere in my torso so that the flames would come up in front of my face. Uh, and I had gel on and protection on and, and the ability to tap out, let them know when I started getting hot because eventually the gel does not protect you anymore. And there's a very quick uh, changeover from when you go warm to when they're putting you out and pushing the heat towards your skin and you get burnt. See, it's a, you have to be very cognizant of what you're feeling. Um, and so we did the first one and it went great and we started cleaning up and the director is like, can we set her face on fire more? <laughs> so um, yeah, I feel comfortable with it. We actually, the only thing that was interesting to me was the, in the scene, an actor puts me out. And so I had been wondering, not even worried, just wondering if, if he fumbled getting in fast enough, if there would be any delay, um, but I, I had so much trust in that stunt team, still do, that uh, it wasn't a problem. Uh, but that behind the scenes is pretty funny. And it was a massive fire burn. I'm very proud of that one. Open hands, open face, and hair. And, um, Can you kind of describe how you guys made that happen? Because we, we see this and all we see is how the heck did they manage to put somebody on fire and keep it safe? What's kind of the movie magic or the tricks you guys use to make that stunt like that safer? There's the equipment, and then there's the mentality. Um, the equipment, there's um, there's special. It's it's like thermal underwear. There's uh, there's Nomex, Carbonex, um, fire resistant uh, items that we wear underneath. I saw a book trying to describe it years ago that said that stuntmen put their underwear in the freezer overnight, and it cracked me up because it was not a, quite a you know a, an understanding of it. What what used to be old school was we would take all all those 
clothing layers and other than the wardrobe top layer, and we would work gel into them, this fire-resistant gel, and then it would be put on ice or it'd be put in a very, 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 very cold atmosphere because when you're putting it on, you're lowering your body temperature and you're sort of the surface temperature. So it used to be, even up to a burn I did in like 2008, you get so cold prepping for it. You're like, please set me on fire now, please, because you're, you're literally shivering and miserable. Um, and we used to have to do a lot of stuff with uh, the wigs being burned. We'd have hoods that were burned. Um, and so you would see for a while mass, like when the Walking Dead do big burns, they have um, mass that are kind of built into what they're burning. Um, but in more recent years, Action Factory and other groups have put out uh, fire-resistant gel that's much thicker and that we use for skin burns. So we'd put like gel on my arm and then put the fuel on top of the gel, and that gel barrier is what's protecting my skin from burning. So depending on what the fuel is and what the action is, you can get a nice burn off of it. And then if it looks too thick, sometimes um, in VFX, they'll bring it down and, and take away the, the layer of gel a little bit, smooth it out a little bit on camera. The mentality side of it is um, fire burns are a favorite for a lot of stunt people that do them because there's much less physical risk to you, if that makes sense, because of the safety that is put in place. Um, but there have been a couple cases of stunt people doing burns, especially newer to it, where they panicked and tried to run, had to be tackled down. Uh, for a while, trip lines were set up. So if a person panicked, they might trip instead of being able to run off and being chased by their fire team and extinguishers. So there were uh, a couple circumstances of people being burnt pretty horrifically um, quite a while ago. And that has led to the safety standards now. But, um, but it's really, it's almost like doing um, underwater work in a claustrophobic type environment. It's really more about your mentality and awareness than it is about physical abilities. That's interesting that in the way it's kind of, safer than like the car ones where you have a roll cage oh, yeah. and all this other stuff. Yeah. The roll cages and stuff. I'd rather be in the car, flipping the car than be doing a car hit, getting hit by the car. <laughs> yeah. Now you mentioned the, the walking dead, but you've done a lot of work in different areas of like the geeky media. We love walking dead, Watchmen series, Pirates of the Caribbean and transformers. Is there any kind of memories you can share from those experiences for our listeners today? Yeah, boy, where to start? And Buffy was, of course, awesome because that is where I started and I got to double pretty much everybody except Buffy in the run of the series that I was in. Um, that was great. Uh, Transformers won. Uh, Megan Fox had a main double. I came from a different show that Michael Bay was kind of uh, producing from afar, The Hitcher, and then was a, a second line double. And you know, Michael Bay is very interesting to work with. Done uh, five films with him now, including Bad Boys 2 and 3. And uh, he's just, it's a very tense environment sometimes, um, <laughs> to say the least. Um, Pirates 4 on Stranger Tides was one of my favorite jobs ever in the industry. And for a couple of reasons, I got called about doubling. I didn't, I didn't have the job. It was to interview. So it wasn't a for sure thing. But I got called for doubling on the first Pirates movie five days after I found out I was pregnant. And I remember even not knowing what it was going to become. There just weren't that many female parts that are cool like that, you know? And I remember going, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not available. I didn't tell them why, because in our industry, if you're pregnant or you're injured, it lasts for five years in people's head. 
So I just said I wasn't available and I hung up the phone. And honestly, I was so grateful to be starting a family um, that that was priority. But there was a little part of me that was like, oh, then we watched the movies and we were huge fans. And and so to be called back on Pirates 4 when they changed to um, Penelope as the female lead was just, it was just very satisfying. And my son was eight and you know, he doesn't get excited about much, but by God, he wanted mom to be a pirate. I mean, that was a big deal. Um, <clears throat> so uh, after going through the interview and audition process, that was a huge blessing. Um, Tom DuPont was our fight and sword chore- uh, coordinator, choreographer, uh, also the Barbosa double, just massively talented and um, such a good teacher and instructor as well. So it was nine months, nearly 10 months of rehearsals and then filming in LA and Hawaii, which did not suck, just so you know, Uh, and and then London. And then I was really type A as I am. And so I made it my job since I um, was away from my family and needed something to occupy myself with. So I worked to learn every single fight position in every single fight, even like the cabin boy fight. But then when we got to London and needed to train a new set of actors um, and stunt people, it made it so that I was available to help with that as well. And it was just all more learning for me. Uh, It was an amazing group. I got to um, do a little dancing piece with Johnny Depp, which was cool. Um, That's on my website. They they used my face in the movie, which always cracked me up. So I'm like, I think it's pretty obvious that's not Penelope. But um, (laughs) great great screen grab. And then um, the Jack-Jack fight where, um, you know, it's an imposter. So I found out that I'm a pretty handsome guy as Jack Sparrow. I mean, it was a little scary. And I realized um, I hate facial hair a lot. Because having that stuff glued on sucks. <clears throat> but it was um, so much fun. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry. I warned you I was screaming all yesterday. Um, it was uh, so much fun being opposite Johnny Depp and doing the mirroring scene around the fire pit. Because he would improv some of that. And I've got to try and mirror it off him. And, and trying not to laugh while doing that was it was amazing. It was a super fun experience. Great That's group awesome. of stuff people to work with, too. That's cool having a mix of experience both with performers and then also with like the stars in the scene and kind of vibing off of them. Because then it's also not just that kind of differentiates a stunt performer from like a daredevil. Like you have to also add in the acting element as well as a safety element and makes it a lot more complex. It is. It's uh, it's more complex than I think people from the outside realize. Um, but also, it can be a lot of fun. I won't lie. On the Marvel end, working on their films and now their TV series has been a blast. But um, because of what you touched on earlier with um, race and gender issues, that was um, it was a little bit interesting on Endgame because uh, Gamora, there's a double for, and she's amazing. She's LA stunt woman. Um, I I don't know how much sword stuff this particular stunt woman does, but or what her availability was. But uh, having been in several of the costumes and already there on the set, uh, the coordinator asked me, "Oh, by the way, you're going to double Gamora," and I was like, "I just I have to ask." I'm like, "It's a it's a it's a person of color that's playing a green alien." But I am a Caucasian and, you know, we want to do things right and do things the right way. Um, so what I was told was that Zoe was given um, four or five names of us that do sword work um, for this one piece and that she went to our websites and she saw our videos. She liked my physicality. 
Uh, and that's why I ended up getting to double her on Endgame. However, having said that, again, my family are big fans and um, Gamora had died in Infinity War. And I did not want to spoil anything for my husband and son. So one of your questions was about getting into makeup for Gamora. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it took a couple hours. But what was funny was when I was wrapped on the day that I was going to come home, I was like, there cannot be any green on me at all when I get home. We, we need to do a super good job. And and the, the makeup ladies were just wonderful. Um, but I was laughing because I'm like, if because they were already trying to drill me for information. And NDA aside, which I'm not going to give away information I shouldn't, I also didn't want to spoil it for them. They've literally gone through all the movie series with me, and more than once we own all of them. So uh, so I had it in my head. I'm like, if anyone sees green on me, I'm going to tell them I'm doubling She-Hulk and just go with that. <laughs> um, so it was fun, too. It was really, really fun because I kept secrets for almost a year um, to be able to go to the movie and see that culmination of things there and then be able to tell my son afterwards, okay, so this part and this part, and then I tested for this part, but this was the actress. I mean, that was that was really cool. The really uh, rare and awesome experience with my husband and son. So I know you kind of talked about like some of your experiences on Endgame and being Gamora, but can you just kind of talk about all like more Marvel movies, but also really dive deep and like just explain some of the scenes that you were in when it comes to Endgame? So Endgame, yeah, they the the doubles and uh, Monique, the stunt coordinator and the fight team deserve all credit. The things in scope of what they did, what I did was like this. Um, it's a good and bad. A lot of times because I'm stunt coordinating, I'm not available because I'm on a show for the run. And in that case, I think I was uh, coordinating Raising Dion at the time for Netflix. And Endgame was such a, a huge opportunity to pick up days. And they shot on weekends some um, that um, that I was able to get some coverage and go in and, and day play on and off for a few weeks. Um, so costume wise, uh, Scarlet Witch and the Wasp and Gamora was all, it's just cool. You have to have helpers get in and out of these costumes. It's like uh, t dressing a toddler is what I would equate it to because you can't push or pull if they're doing something less you rip it. I mean, they're, they're pretty delicate, but they're amazing, amazing costumes. Um, and uh, there were lead doubles for everyone. And that was not me. Uh, I was a filler position um, when they were doing shots to pick up pieces and, uh, just thrilled to be there and be a part of it. Um, one of the things that stood out to me was there were multiple times for the different battle scene on in-game where, you know, there's the war charge. And as a woman, we almost never get to do the war charge, right? Because all the old-fashioned battle scenes have, you know, all the men because there weren't women there. So the only time I got to do anything like that was on Pirates 4 in the Fountain of Youth when when the group comes together and that was, you know, limited in scope. So I was so thrilled to be a part of this and watching it and them doing pieces of it, huge green screen, huge Pinewood um, studio stages. And, uh, <clears throat> and then they were going to do the Woman of Marvel charge, if you're familiar with it, when they pan through all the women and then have the women leading the charge with um, Captain Marvel at the front holding the Infinity Gauntlet. And uh, so we rehearsed it, and there were fight rehearsals in the days before. And in one of the fights, Gamora's left-handed, so I was already kind of working off that. It just kind of changes your stance and how you move and not wanting to look like an idiot. Uh, for some reason, I'm very proficient with collie sticks, and it's not a problem, but the, the moment I go to left-hand sword fighting, I have to really think about 
it and how I'm moving. Um, so there was a piece of fight footage that we previsited and rehearsed, and I realized as the day went by, I my my left thigh was not in a good place. And um, I, I think even still, I think I got a little tear in it. Um, wasn't anything I reported. It's again, suck it up, do your job type of mentality, even in myself. Um, and uh, I remember going to the hotel that night and downing a ton of ibuprofen. I dumped like an entire bag of Epsom salt in the tub and was soaking it because the next day was this woman of the women of Marvel charge. And I'm um, in the scene, if you remember, um, Gamora and Nebula kind of come together last, and Gamora leads the charge. With Then you've got Captain Marvel with the Infinity Gauntlet further behind. And so, I mean, I don't know if you've ever talked to parts of your body before, but I was really coaching my leg not to fail me that day. Um, it was, even though we were just setting stuff up, lining stuff up with camera, like, falling flat on your face and being run over by the women of Marvel is not sexy. And I was really, really waiting for that to happen because I was trying to disguise a limp. Like it was quite serious. Um, and I felt capable of doing the job, but right at that edge of, you know, getting it noodly and not being able to perform. So, um, so I just remember that day, like, Oh, please God, don't let me fall on my face in front of everyone. Um, we got through it, and uh, and of course uh, the actress did, did an awesome job. All the women did, um, but I I just remember being both so psyched and also so prepared for failure of epic proportions. Um, I'm very glad it didn't happen. Uh, the other thing that really really impressed me, especially on the main day that we filmed that, was that you know everybody was tired, and I mean specifically the cast and crew uh, seemed tired. There was a lot going on, and and. It's a great energy, but when you're doing the same thing over and over and over again all day, energy can wax and wane. Um, they were putting on some of the Avengers music soundtrack to pump up the actresses as they were running and making this charge. And um, again, eyes open, mouth shut, just standing back and watching, observing. Um, Evangeline Lilly is amazing. I, I really was impressed with her as a human being, not just as an actress. She was doing push-ups. She was jumping around the suit. She was encouraging the other actors. She was getting them riled up and, and such a positive personality that even from afar, just watching her, I was so impressed with her. Um, there's a lot of people to be impressed with on a set like that, but she just really stood out as uh, amazing, um, really amazing actress. You were like, oh, if you know the Women of March scene, and we're like, I think everyone who's a fan of Marvel knows what you're talking about. So that's super cool. And even in your reel, you have like a picture where you're, you're, they got the Gamora makeup on and you're holding your sword. And, and I was like looking at it today, I was like, that's just so cool. Like that, I, I'm really glad you're able to experience that. And I couldn't go home and tell my family about it. It killed me. <laughs> uh, the other geeky thing about that, which is funny, is that. Infinity War, they were shooting, they were shooting um, pickup pieces and reshoots for Infinity War and Endgame at the same time, the first time I got brought into this. And I was a, a mocap person, um, which I was happy to be. That's not a bad thing. It's just, you know, it was mocap action. So I don't know what they turned me into when you watch the scene. But that particular uh, week, three days a week that we were there, I did not do anything. Literally, I did nothing. I don't think I even set foot on the set. They just, they just didn't need us for the things that they were filming. Um, so we, I really didn't know anything that was going on. I came home and my husband and son, who know I have no bluff face, kept trying to like throw out questions and then stare at me. And, uh, and so I was playing with them. 
again, Winter Soldier was cool for my son because he was in Cleveland and he got to see some of what we were doing. The whole driving scene with Nick Fury being chased and the car being blown up and the cops shooting at him. That was the scene I was part of there. And, um, and so I knew it was special to him. So as a joke... For Infinity War, when, when I was asked, you know, what'd you do? And I'd already told my husband and son nothing. No, I really, I did nothing. They kept pushing. So finally I said, okay, I'm sorry. I killed Bucky. <laughs> and my son was like, what? And my husband, and then I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding. And I was, but they didn't know if they should take me seriously or not. Oh, my god. So this whole time yeah i had months of this they'd bring it up did you kill bucky though just out of the blue trying to see if they could get a facial expression from me or re because i have no bluff face uh and i tried so hard because i didn't want to ruin it for them and honestly i didn't know enough to ruin it for them for you know infinity war so we went to the movies a week before we were filming i was filming on what men want and somebody had seen something there was a spoiler that they put out and so I found out that Bucky was the first one to go to Ash right out of the team so in my mind I was like hmm so when we went to the theater to see my sitting next to me he knew when I was part of filming all of that which again I did nothing in that part uh he knew there were in-game pickups too so we were sitting next to each other and Bucky goes to Ash on camera and I looked at my son and just kind of gave him a look and being you know, a teenager and a little surly, he's like, you didn't do that. And I looked back at him and I'm like, this wasn't the one I was talking about because he knew I had already done some stuff within games too. So, um, mm. so his face was like, wait, what? Um, so it provided months more fun of uh, getting to, to try and keep stuff from them or let them think what they want and just laugh about it later. But, um, but that, the in-game one, you know, it's when, um, when uh, Black Widow dies, I did nothing on that but hold a place. They put me in the rig, they put me up, fans, and then they brought in Scarlet. Of course, she did the, the piece that I was any part of at all. Um, and she's a hoot. She, she was cracking me up from the time she walked on set to the time she was out. She was in the harness telling him that it was like worse than giving birth, that they were keeping her in this harness. But she was funny about it. It wasn't like being a diva or anything. She just was cracking up everybody on the stage for the special unit. Um, so it was it just even being a small part of stuff like that, it was just fun to be able to share with my family afterwards. And I got to throw a Thor during rehearsals, so that was cool, uh, rehearsing a, a little rig for Scarlet Witch. Again, the actress was doing that. It's just getting to, to, to throw the line during the setup. I'm like, yeah, I talked to Thor, sure, you know. Anything that I can amuse my family with is fair game. I love how you tortured your son by just being like, yeah, he di I didn't kill him in this one. <laughs> and just looking yeah, at oh, him. Yeah, no, his face was was just awesome. Oh, Just so awesome. <laughs> but I have to relate things back to what interests him because he's a, he's a big Marvel fan. He loves Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So, for instance, I coordinated season one of Halt and Catch Fire. And then after I was going on to other stuff, they'd bring me in to do some driving. So there was one day that I was driving home. My son's like talking to me on the phone uh, in the car. And he said, oh, how was your day? And I said, it was fun because uh, I'm driving a truck. I race up. The actor jumps in. And then I'm bouncing over curbs and all. And the actor was having laughing fits, like giggle fits, full on. He was making me laugh because he was laughing so hard as we were bumping over curbs and stuff. And my son's like, oh, who's the actor? And I thought about it for a second. And I'm like, oh. Uh, Ronan 
from Gardens of the Galaxy, and uh, and then the the dad, Legolas's dad, in uh, the Hobbit, and suddenly my stature with my son went from like here to here. <laughs> yeah. Just like so if I can relate it to stuff that interests him, you know, you get the cool points going on. So. It's, uh, stuff like that is fun to me. It's not so much that I'm caught up in it for myself as much as it is fun for me to share with my family. That's really cool. Uh, so what are all the Marvel pro- projects, movies that you've been a part of? Uh, Captain, not necessarily in order, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, uh, Iron Man uh, 3, uh, Black Widow, and Infinity War, Endgames, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and WandaVision. I think, I think, I think I got them all, but I, but it, but I do enjoy working them. And I think that what they put out is awesome. We have a lot of Marvel versus DC conversations at our household. So um, it's, it's, I just, I like what they put out and what I do love. I don't know if Chris told you this because Chris actually met him and got photos with him and introduced his now wife then. But because I am very much more eyes open, mouth shut, Stan Lee came to set on pirates Four when we were filming the mermaid scene. And so I just thought it was cool to be in the proximity of, but Chris literally went and talked to him and got photos and, and he's just so much better at that stuff than I am. Um, so, you know, things like that are, are really neat. I think. Um, how do you handle when you meet one of those bigger names or people that you admire too, just from their work, how do you handle kind of meeting them? I smile a lot and keep my mouth shut. Um, (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I, I do. There's been actresses that I've doubled for years. Um, Courtney Cox is one. So I doubled her on Scream 2, on Scream 3. I've been called on Scream 1, but I was out of the country filming and didn't get back in time. Um, I, I doubled her on some of her own projects, um, and I will be seeing her soon on something else. Um, but as much as I will try and facilitate and, of course, be friendly and, and all on set, I've never been one to really try and force a relationship with some of the actresses it's happened. And I, we've had time together offset and really good relationships, but, um, but it's, it's not something that I ever want to force or try and, you know, get pictures or, you know, do stuff that's, that's not something that they're also instigating. Um, I have a lot of respect for people that need to be in their process and doing their job on set too. So um, I try and just be very aware and facilitate what they need and, and otherwise you know, keep my mouth shut. Um, I will say for me, geekdom, I'm a huge Stephen King fan. Mm. So years ago, I got to be um, Judith er, in uh, Children of the Corn 5. I think Judith was the character's name. That's sad that I'm not remembering. Um, and then last year, I got to do uh, Castle Rock. I went in to actually double someone and ended up doing a, a small indie role. But but just to be part of Stephen King's world is very exciting to me. Um, he also watched an episode of The Passage that I worked on, and he tweeted about it and was like, oh, The Passage is really great. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Stephen King acknowledged <laughs> me. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, yeah not even so cool. me. Like, just like, like I was this much of the whole episode that he was talking about. But I'm like, he watched me work. That's right. Yay. <laughs> That's so great. I think probably. Probably the more impressed I am with people, the less likely I am to actually go talk to them because I, I don't want to be too geeky. Um, but again, I mean, I Drew Barrymore, I have loved. She's just amazing. Uh, you know, Johnny was amazing to work with, but um, I was so impressed with uh, Sir Jeffrey Rush, um, who went out of his way to learn every single beat of an 80-beat fight, even though he knew he would not have to perform at all because he was such a professional. 
Um, so I, yeah, sometimes it's not the obvious people that I think are so impressive, I guess. That's really cool. Kind of going back to Marvel, you, you talked about working on some projects that, you know, haven't come out yet because of a little thing called COVID. So we, we understand that, you know, NDAs are a thing and we kind of talked about this in the last podcast, but what has your experience been on with, you know, Wonder Woman, Black Widow, Winter Soldier, or sorry, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and, you know, uh, WandaVision, all that kind of stuff. Like how, how has that experience been? Um, very good. Uh, all different teams of people to work with um, and very, very good. I mean, they, they, speaking both for the production company and for my experience within the, the stunt departments, they've, they've got their act together. They've got extremely talented people and it is um, a very fun and unique environment to work on. I think people are genuinely happy to be there. Seems like a, a higher morale sometimes going there. Um, I will say on a, an undisclosed project in the not too far past, um, I showed up to do a stunt and was expected to do dialogue in another language. Hmm. And that was interesting. I, I remember sitting there thinking, what on my resume made them think that this was something for me? Um, I wouldn't lie about it. But they have an amazing dialogue coach that actually does a lot of their projects. And she was wonderful. I asked her, I'm like, can you just write it down phonically? And then I'll study because I am, again, very type A. So I, I studied, 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 and there were other people doing it as well. But um, but it was a fun kind of uh, unique experience. That's so funny. I mean, I imagine it was just you trying to think of how to get this accent and not sound completely off. You don't have to give disclosure on what or what. But did you have any, like, uh, previous experience with this language at all? Not really, no. Not any more than you do. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, one thing about being in the industry so long maybe is like when you have to do something, you own it. You don't go hesitantly and you don't go halfway. It's like, all right, I'm going to maybe look like a fool. So I'm going to look like as big of a fool as I can or not do it at all because, you know, that's that's part of the performance. And so, um, so sometimes, I, you know, that's one of the things I love about our industry is even doing the same show for a while, a lot of the action changes. You're constantly learning new things. There's new innovations coming out, safer way to do things, new products. Um, with all the VFX, there's uh, there's so many so many creative ways to make something and have it look really spectacular now that um that I enjoy that there's kind of a constant change and learning process in our industry it hasn't gotten old after 20 years so one of the things that i was wondering is how is the experience similar or different when working on the disney plus shows compared to the actual movies you know honestly for me it's not that different it might be for the department heads it might be for different crew members but as a performer coming in um like i said the morale is high the the crew may be scaled down some for a TV series versus the films because the films are just on such a huge scope. Um, but otherwise, there really, really isn't much of a difference that I experienced. So I wonder, uh, what has been your favorite Disney Plus show that you've been a part of? Well, I can't really say because they haven't come out yet. Um, but I, but I, but I, I will say this: I would love to do part of Loki's show that will be up and running 
and or there's a character and forgive me i forgot the character's name there's a character in the star wars universe that my son is really really hoping will enter into the mandalorian at some point and um, i guess she's a very proficient weapon that sounds correct um so he was <laughs> when he was talking about that i remember thinking and going oh you know that would be cool if i could get on doubling if it's Sword work, I don't know, you know, even who they would cast, but I was, or, or sword-like work. I was going, oh, that, that would be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Your son sounds like our kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, my son wanted me to point out that, um, and I agree with him fully, so I will, that um, Darth Vader in Rogue One is the, the one and only and coolest Darth Vader which was played physicality wise by a stunt guy, you know, in the hallway at the end, the brutal mm, scene. Great just moment. Darth Vader. Yeah. Right. By far my favorite moment of Darth Vader. That's, that's the character we need much like Batman. That, that's the Darth Vader we deserve. Yeah. I imagine now since you're working on Wonder Woman, it's a lot of more of DC versus Marvel talks going on in your home. There is a lot of that talk in our home and there is a lot of, I'm sorry. It's not me. It's the guys. There's a lot of DC smack talk that happens around here for sure. Yeah. And they pick oh, apart trailers yeah. and movie theory websites. And yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's okay. Off a off, uh, podcasting, I smack talk Gary a lot about it too. So nice. Uh, it was uh, Avatar movie was being uh, discussed a lot the other day because my son has us watching the series, the original Nickelodeon series. And then, of course, we had to watch the movie. Which Chris Leps is in, and he makes it better. But oh, what a horrible mess that was! Um, so there are a lot of discussions about that too. Yeah, I noticed Chris um, very slyly not saying anything about it in our interview. There, uh, we'd be in yeah. agreement on that movie being a mess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> such a shame because it's a great series. You mentioned already that failure that you learned from in the past with your experience. Can you kind of share? For maybe our final question here, what is the most important thing you've learned throughout your career and how have you adapted because of it? Hmm. Boy, that's a deep one. Um, I don't know if this necessarily exactly addresses what you're asking, but I would say that maybe the downtime in COVID has given me some things to think about a lot lately because for all these years, it's been thankfully, very, very busy, but sometimes doing three and four projects at a time, sometimes doing two and three projects a day. So there's not a lot of time for deep introspection um, when you're constantly hustling and doing things. Um, so I, looking at an overview with the industry, with how I came into it, the doors that were opened, where my career has gotten to, um, you know, I would love to think that it has to do with just raw talent and amazement. It doesn't. I, there are people that are more talented. There are people that are uh, more experienced in different areas. Um, again, just the opportunities I've been given as a woman coordinator would not have happened years ago. Um, so I look at it and think uh, that I'm very, very grateful for the path that I've been on. And I think about a show like I, I had told you pirates was my favorite film to work on. My favorite TV show to work on was raising Dion because coordinating that and having Michael B. Jordan, you know, and, and, and having a, a great cast, Jason Ritter might as well be a stunt guy. Um, 
and working with minors and doing bigger stunts, but ensuring safety, like working to really make sure that we are, are keeping the kids safe. I think that the experience as a mother and the experience of stunts and the experience of being passionate about what I do and the creative end of it all came together uh, and kind of perfectly for being in that place at that time. Um, so I, I just, I feel like there are opportunities sometimes that I get on, on bigger name shows. And like I said, I love working for Marvel and I'm excited about Wonder Woman coming out. Um, but sometimes I don't know that I'm supposed to be on the bigger shows. I feel like my path has led me to specific shows where where I feel actually vital in keeping people safe or helping the creative process. And so I've really had time to think about what's more important to me. It's there are, there are people that are going to have a way bigger career path. And I see the road to that path for me. In fact, it's been offered. The door has been open once or twice. Um, but I don't know that that's the right door to walk through for my family and for what's important to us and for the places where I feel like I'm best utilized. So I guess that uh, that comes with knowledge and experience to be able to look back and kind of see the path I've been on and, and kind of look towards the future of where I'm going. Yeah, I really respect that kind of way of looking at things because you're looking at both the safety of others and how you can best do that with your work as well as just the basic thing of you're, you have a family and you want to be able to be around for them even while doing your career with stunts. So it's great. Oddly enough, it's one of the weird benefits of COVID is that everyone can have that introspection on their path. Well, we just want to thank you again, Jennifer, for coming on the show and just spending time with us and telling all these great stories about your career. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.